Welcome to the first episode of Near-Death Experience Podcast. I'm going to dive right into this, and then we're going to go back and give the introductory remarks, other than to say that this podcast is about near-death experiences, not the kind where people have nearly died and it changed their life because they realized how close they came to the end. But I'm talking about the kind of near-death experiences where somebody nearly died and had this entire experience while they were their body was unconscious. You know, out of body, tunnels, you know, light. I want to talk about all of that. And I want to do it from a perspective of a spiritually, religiously, skeptically inclined individual. Basically, I'm just out to explore these things. And uh, we'll talk more about that after I share the first part of this near-death experience that I'm going to read to you, because I want that to be the focus of this podcast, is I want you to hear near-death experiences, especially ones that are characteristic of what these kind of experiences entail. And in doing so, and my approach for the first few episodes is going to be to share experiences that highlight a particular feature that is extremely common in these kind of experiences, okay? There are tons of experiences that uh, that have strange or unique elements that you just don't find in other near-death experiences. There are many, 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 many of those, but there are far more that have very common elements, and I've never found any near-death experience that carries every common element, but I've never had a near-death experience that didn't include some of these elements. And among them, the very first, and I'm only putting this first because in chronological order, this is generally the first, and that is the out-of-body experience when someone is either dying or maybe they flatline or something to that effect, and they find themselves standing next to their body, okay, and looking down and seeing their body. I'm going to share this near-death experience, this portion of it. This one is from an entire book. It is the book Embraced by the Light by Betty J. Eady. It's kind of the quintessential near-death experience book, so if you're not familiar with it, it's a great place to start. If you've heard a lot of near-death experiences and and this is old news to you, just keep coming back to the podcast because I'm going to share experience after experience after experience. So you're bound to hear things you haven't heard before. But if this is your first time exploring near-death experiences, this, in my mind, is a great place to start. We will talk more about introduction to the podcast and so forth after I share, but I wanted to get right into this so as to not disappoint you in your wanting to hear near-death experiences. Again, this is Embraced by the Light by Betty J. Eadie. And this is starting on page 28. The chapter title is My Death. And uh, just to give a little bit of background, um, she has just undergone surgery and is recovering from the surgery. But the night before she's, or the pre, end of the previous chapter anyway, she was uh, not feeling well. She's feeling like something was wrong. Called her husband. She's at the hospital. Um, but feeling like something is wrong. And so she, uh, um, this is where we pick up in the story. 
Again, I must have dozed for a while, but not for long because the clock seemed to say 9.30. Then suddenly I woke up with the strangest feeling. Somehow my instincts warned me of impending danger. I looked around the room. The door had been pulled half-closed. The dimmed light was still on it was still on over the small sink by the door. I felt myself becoming keenly alert and growing in fear. My senses told me that I was alone, and I could feel my body becoming weaker and weaker. I reached for the cord near the bed in an attempt to call the nurse, but try as I might, I could not bring myself to move. I felt a terrible sinking sensation, like the very last drops of blood were being drained from me. I heard a soft buzzing sound in my head and continued to sink until I felt my body become still and lifeless. Then I felt a surge of energy. It was almost as if I felt a pop or release inside me, and my spirit was suddenly drawn out through my chest and pulled upward, as if by a giant magnet. My first impression was that I was free. There was nothing unnatural about the experience. I was above the bed, hovering near the ceiling. My sense of freedom was limitless, and it seemed as if I had done this forever. I turned and saw a body laying on the bed. I was curious about who it was, and immediately I began descending toward it. Having worked as an LPN, I knew well the appearance of a dead body. As, and as I got closer to the face, I knew at once that it was lifeless. And then I recognized that it was my own. That was my body on the bed. I wasn't taken aback, and I wasn't frightened. I simply felt a kind of sympathy for it. I appeared younger and prettier than I remembered, and now it was dead. It was as if I had taken off a used garment and had put it aside forever, which was sad because it was still good. There was still a lot of use left in it. I realized that I had never seen myself three-dimensionally before. I had only seen myself in the mirror, which is a flat surface. But the eyes of the spirit see in more dimensions than the eyes of the mortal body. I saw my body from all directions at once, from in front, behind, and from the sides. I saw aspects to my features I had never known before, adding a wholeness, a completeness to my view. This may be why I didn't recognize myself at first. My new body was weightless and extremely mobile, and I was fascinated by my new state of being. Although I had felt pain from the surgery only moments before, I no longer felt discomfort at all. I was whole in every way perfect, and I thought, this is who I really am. My attention went back to the body. I realized that nobody was aware that I had died, and I felt an urgency to tell someone. I'm dead, I thought, and no one is here to know it. But before I could move, three men suddenly appeared at my side. They wore beautiful, light brown robes, and one of them had a hood on the back of his head. Each wore a gold-braided belt that was tied about the waist with the ends hanging down. A kind of glow emanated from them, but not unusually bright, 
And then I realized that a soft glow came from my own body and that our lights had merged together around us. I was not afraid. The men appeared to be about 70 or 80 years old, but I knew somehow that they were on a time scale different than Earth's. The impression came to me that they were much older than 70 or 80 years old, that they were ancient. I sensed in them great spirituality, knowledge, and wisdom. I believe they appeared to me in robes to evoke the impression of these virtues. I began to think of them as monks, mostly because of the robes, and I knew that I could trust them. They spoke to me. They had been with me for eternities, they, they said. I didn't fully understand this. I had a difficult time comprehending the concept of eternity, let alone eternities. Eternity to me had always been in the future, but these beings said that they had been with me for eternities in the past. This was more difficult to comprehend. Then I began to see images in my mind of a time long ago of an existence before my life on earth, of my relationship with these men before. As these scenes unfolded in my mind, I knew that we had indeed known each other for e eternities. I became excited. The fact of a pre-earth life crystallized in my mind, and I saw that death was actually a rebirth into a greater life, an understanding, and knowledge that stretched forward and backward through time. I knew that these were my choicest friends in that greater life, and that they had chosen to be with me. They explained that they, with others, had been my guardian angels during my life on earth. But I felt these three were special, that they were also my ministering angels. They said that I had died prematurely. They somehow communicated a feeling of peace and told me not to worry, that everything would be all right. As this feeling came to me, I sensed their deep love and concern. These feelings and other thoughts were communicated from spirit to spirit, from intelligence to intelligence. At first I thought they were using their mouths, but this was because I, had used, uh, I was used to people speaking. They communicated much more rapidly and completely, in a manner, in a manner they referred to as pure knowledge. The closest word in English we would have to define it is telepathy, but even that doesn't describe the full process. I felt their emotions and intense. I felt their love. I experienced their feelings, and this, feeling, or this filled me with joy because they loved me so much. My earlier language, the language of my body, was truly limited. And I realized that my former ability to express feelings had been almost non-existent compared with the ability of the spirit to communicate in this pure way. There were many things they wanted to share with me and that I wanted to share with them. But we all knew that the concerns of the moment took precedence. I suddenly thought of my husband and children and was worried as to how my death would affect them. How could my husband care for six children? How would the children get along without me? I needed to see them again, at least to satisfy my own concerns. 
My only thought was to leave the hospital and go to my family. After so many years of waiting for family, for a family, of working to keep my family together, I was afraid that now I would lose them. Or perhaps I was afraid that they would lose me. Immediately I began to look for an exit, and I spotted the window. I quickly went through it and emerged outside. Soon I would learn that I didn't need to use the window, that I could have left the room at any point. It was only because of my lingering thoughts, and therefore limitations, of mortality that I thought of using the window. It occurred to me that I was in a slow-moving mode, because I still thought in terms of having my physical body, when in fact my spiritual body could move through, move through anything that had been solid to me before. The window had been closed the whole time. My trip home was a blur. I began moving at tremendous speed, now that I realized I could, and I was only vaguely aware of trees rushing below me. I made no decisions, gave myself no directions, just thought of home and knew I was going there. Within a moment, I was at my house and found myself entering the living room. I saw my husband sitting in his favorite armchair reading the newspaper. I saw my children running up and down the stairs and knew that they were supposed to be getting ready for bed. Two of them were in a pillow fight, actually normal bedtime procedure for our children. I had no desire to, to communicate with them, but I was concerned about their lives without me. As I watched them individually, a preview of sorts ran through my head about them enabling me to see ahead into each of their lives. I came to know that each of my children was on earth from their own ex for their own experiences, that although I had thought of them as mine, I had been mistaken. They were individual spirits, like myself, with an intelligence that was developed before their lives on earth. Each one had their own free will to live their life as they chose, I knew that this free will should not be denied them. They had only been placed in my care. Although I don't recall them now, I knew that my children had their own life agendas, and that when they had completed them, they too would end their stay on earth. I foresaw some of their challenges and difficulties, but knew that these would be necessary for their growth. There was no need for sorrow or fear. In the end, each of my children would be all right, and I knew that it would be only a brief moment before we were all together again. I felt bathed in serenity. My husband and my precious children, this family I had waited so long for, would be all right. I knew that they could go on, and so then could I. I was grateful for this understanding and felt that I was allowed to reach it so that my transition through death would be easier. Now I became filled with the desire to move on with my own life and experience all that awaited me. I was drawn back toward the hospital, but I don't remember the trip. I seemed to It seemed to happen instantly. I saw my body still lying on the bed about two and a half feet below me, and slightly to my left. My three friends were still there, waiting for me. Again I felt their love, and the joy they felt in helping me. As I f was filled with th their love, somehow I knew that it was time for me to move on, 
I also knew my dear friends, the monks, would not be going with me. I began to hear a rushing sound. Now I'm going to stop reading there. That's the end of that chapter. Um, but it illustrates very well what many near-death experiences uh, talk about. Now, I should say, I may have briefly mentioned, the different elements in a uh, near-death experience, I, there are familiar ones. There are ones that, uh, that happen commonly. And then there are some, you know, every, every near-death experience has unique elements. You know, uh, for example, I, I can't think of another experience where I heard of a parent visiting their children and seeing the child's potential futures. Um, their their goals and dreams for the future, maybe even some of their life purpose, which, as she said in there, she has since forgotten that she wasn't able to bring it back with her. But um, that's an element itself that is unique in uh, in my experience, my study, I should say. But uh, what is very common is floating over your body and seeing your body before continuing on. And often even seeing or feeling or hearing the thoughts, feelings, and experiences of other people in the room. That's extremely common. And, and, and um, while there are common elements, this being one of them, um, and, and I share this one first in this first episode for the simple reason that chronologically this tends to come first if it's going to happen. But the common elements, uh, for example, you've got, you know, standing over your body, you've got a light, you've got a tunnel, you've got, you know, seeing relatives and so forth. All these different elements that are common elements in many, many near-death experiences, they don't always all happen, nor do they all always happen in chronological order. And so in the same order, um, there are a lot of differences in that. But this is one that commonly comes first. Now, I'm before I get into uh, just sharing a near-death experience every day, just one after another, um, or, or talking in depth about um, interesting aspects to the near-death experience, I want the focus of these first few episodes to be on these common elements. These uh, I'll share a near-death experience story, and then I will talk about the particular element that I'm trying to draw attention to. Simply because if you can understand those common elements and the things that show up often, then it creates a context that makes a lot of the uh, lesser known details or the less common details that sound like, whoa, that's weird, what's, what's up with that, um, to make more sense. You know, she talked in her experience about having this sense of telepathy of sorts. She's, she said that's, that that comes short. It There's more to it than that. You could sense feelings. You could sense more. But that is something that is so common, that ability to communicate. And, and we'll probably share another experience in the future that... Um, goes into more detail about that. But this is this is the element that I want to emphasize today is the um, being out of the body and seeing the body. Now, as I share these 
experiences in the future, you'll find great diversity in in their experience. Some people will see the body and it takes them a while to recognize it. They'll be like, who is this guy? And and why are they calling him by my name? You know, it, it goes that far. And part of that may be because, I mean, they're often maimed. I mean, they've been in a car accident and they're just, you know, torn apart. And so it's, and usually um, when they are first out of the body, they're not necessarily recalling what was happening 10 minutes ago, you know, before they died. So they're, they're not remembering the accident or, or what, um, but sometimes they are. And sometimes they, they recognize immediately, oh, there goes my body. And this idea of, of seeing it as an old garment that they've taken off, or in her case, she's like, oh, it's still this fresh new garment. It's ready to use still. It's still good, you know. Uh, that's an interesting aspect to it, but it's very common for them to to see their body and see it as something outside of themselves, which I think is beautiful, um, because as she says, she recognizes, oh, this is the real me, and she yet she's not a different her. It's just that she is her without her body, and that being without her body, she senses more of her true self in some way. That seems to be a common element. Now, one thing that always surprises me a little is how calm the experiencer is during this experience. Not just calm as in, you know, not panicking, but uh, everything feels right and normal, what they're experiencing. That's interesting and that's unique. Not unique to this experience, it's actually common among almost every experience I've heard, but it's unique to our mortal experience. You know, any of us, if we found ourselves suddenly looking over our bodies and we weren't separated as a spirit or whatever, um, would a little bit freak out about that. <laughs> but but um, people in near-death experiences don't seem to which tells me that they're in a more natural state. I say natural, but I mean spiritual, but, you know, a state that is, is more native to our ultimate experience as eternal beings. That's much more familiar to us than the mortal experience. And uh, I don't want to go too deep into that, especially not in this very first episode. I'm trying to keep it simple this week, um, especially um, while we lay this groundwork. But I think this is a, a good place to start. Again, if you want to get the book, it's Betty Eady, uh, Embraced by the Light. It's available in just about any form imaginable. Um, I listened to the audiobook initially. I'm kind of an audio guy. I'm a podcast junkie and everything, So, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to start this podcast. And now we'll go into some of the podcast introduction things. There are several near-death experience podcasts out there, but there's two, maybe three, problems that I... No, not problems. There's two to three things about them that I wanted to address in my own podcast. Let's put it that way. One is that they often veer off in, in directions that you'll find as we go along are applicable but um, are not all just near-death experiences, if that makes sense. 
Um, there are those who talk about um, um, what seems like like very out there kind of subjects if you're not familiar with the topic of near-death experiences, if you're not familiar with the people and, and what happens to people and, and the commonness of certain types of, of after effects of having a near-death experience and so forth, all of which we will get into at some time because it is a common element. Um, or those are common elements. But I don't want that to be the focus of this. I want the focus of this to be um, sharing near-death experiences and discussing them. Now, if we have enough people interested in this, I would be glad to get interviewers, um, talk to people who have um, had near-death experiences. I know some, and I've, I'm beginning to make connections with several more. And, uh, and I'm just talking about those that I know personally, and I would be happy to get to know many others who have had these kind of experiences to talk with them and, and so forth. But I'm kind of gauging the market a little bit because I don't know if you guys will even be interested in hearing this podcast. If, if you do, please let me know in some way, either comment or email or whatever you need to do and, or whatever you can do. And I do want to have this podcast available on iTunes, so um, it will be widely available worldwide. Um, but um, what I'm saying is, is, is that we can take this any direction, but I want the focus to be on near-death experiences, not just all the little offshoots of that. I would like to have it more often. Because many of the podcasts that I encounter, it's every month or, you know, a few times a year that they podcast, a few times a um, a month, maybe, sometimes, some of them up to once a week. But with this model that I'm taking, I don't think I'll have a problem at least getting out many episodes a week, several episodes a week. My aim Eventually, I would love to have it be every day, just uh, have it come out every day. And that may uh, depend on how much time I have and how much demand there is for that. Um, so again, let me know if you're listening and what you think and what you suggest and so forth. Um, I do want to give a little bit of introduction to myself so that you can understand where I'm coming from. I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to sneak up behind you and, and preach something to you. Okay, I am a Christian, a very, very strong, devout Christian. I'm a strong, devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, I do not intend to have those things be uh, a focus or, or a distraction from this, the topic, other than to say that there will be times that I read something that seems to contradict what I have been taught or understand, and I may go into some detail about why I think it that the experiencer probably is describing X when maybe it sounds like Y or something to that effect. But I don't I don't want to do too much of that, and I don't want that to be a focus of the podcast. I want this to be an exploration of 
near-death experiences. Not uh, a spiritual, I'm, I'm sorry, not a, a religious justification or justification for my religious beliefs. I don't want it to be a uh, something that's trying to point you in a particular direction to say, oh, see, they told you this, so you need to believe this. I'm not, I don't want to do that. I also don't want to take the uh, cold, hard scientific approach of saying, you know, this is totally skeptical and so, or, or let's be totally skeptical and say, and say that this is probably not true, but here's what it says. I, I don't want to be too harsh about any skepticism that I have. I want to keep an open mind about these things, even and possibly especially in those things that I don't fully understand, that I don't know how it jives with my understanding of how things are. And you'll find in um, listening to these experiences that they often seem to contradict each other. And at face value, you may say, well, wait a minute, if they're all contradicting each other, how is any of it worth anything? But what you find is you dig deeper and you keep uh, continuing the pursuit and the study is that most of what seems like contradictions don't turn out to be contradictions at all, but rather different manifestations of different kinds of experiences based on different contexts. Okay, that'll make more sense as we go along. But uh, um, I just want to say that up front. I am a devout Christian. I am a devout uh, Mormon, as, as, as we're called as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. But I am not trying to preach that here. I'd be happy to preach it to you elsewhere if you want. I am not interested in doing that here. I want to share near-death experiences because they've changed my life. I can honestly tell you they have changed my life. And I, I'll tell you up front, too, I have not had a near-death experience myself. I have not had it. I would love to. <laughs> I don't want to nearly die. But I would love to have the kind of experience they have without having to <laughs> come close to death. Unfortunately, uh, you could talk to just about any of them. It's not as easy to have that experience as, as one would hope after studying so much of this. But um, the point is... I want, I hope that you'll take an approach as I have in have an open mind and a healthy dose of skepticism. Okay, be skeptical. This may not be accurate. It may not be real. Uh, there are some experiences that people make up. I will not share any of them unless I tell you ahead of time. I will not share any that I suspect are fake unless I say, like I said, that I suspect that they are, or unless I tell you that I suspect that they are fake. I genuinely believe in the sincerity of what the people are sharing in these experiences. Okay, I believe that they experienced what they said they did. I do reserve the right to the thought that they may be interpreting their experience different than what I believe to be fact. And I think that's the case with anybody in anything, in any experience in life as well. Somebody tells you, you know, this guy was coming down the road and, and swung around the corner so fast, I think he was trying to kill me. And they may genuinely feel like, I think he was trying to hit me. Now, if I know that guy, and he's a nice guy that was driving the car, I'm going to be skeptical of that. And I'll say, I understand why you believe that. I, I totally justify what you're saying. And and I'll stand by 
um, you in in recognizing that you really do believe that this is what his motives were or what, you know, but inside, I don't believe that that was his motives. I don't believe that he was trying to kill you. I think he was, he was probably being reckless or perhaps he was in a hurry or frightened or, you know, something was distracting him. Something was wrong. Yes. But that wrong thing was not necessarily that he was trying to kill you. Okay. So, um, my, my point in saying that is that I reserve and I ask you to also reserve your right to not necessarily accept the interpretation that these people have of their experience. For example, if, if somebody says, um, you know, I, I felt this wonderful oneness, it felt like we're all one and that, and that, uh, you know, it, it was as if every person was me and every, and I was every person. And therefore I believe that I'm just a person that's re-experiencing life, going back in time and re-experiencing or whatever, some weird thing like that. You'll hear some interesting ideas. Okay. <laughs> in these experiences, that may be their interpretation. Okay. I wouldn't doubt that they felt an incredible oneness, probably way beyond anything I have ever experienced or will ever experience in more, my mortal life. But I reserve the right to to think maybe he's not completely accurate about what it means and what the implication of what your experience was. That is a form of skepticism that I strongly encourage. Okay. And, um, one thing I do want to say up front as a, uh, you know, maybe I should put this off because I've, I've come up with a whole list of disclaimers around near-death experiences that people ought to have in mind, that being one of them. Um, but, and so I, I think I will save any uh, further disclaimers until that episode, and, and maybe we'll do that after we get through the basics. Um, but I do want to share and experience each episode, unless there's something really particular that needs to be addressed, or that I feel needs addressing. And I'm going to tell you up front that I don't necessarily believe everything that comes out of these experiences, but I do believe in the sincerity of those who share them, which tells me that there is something that either I or they or neither of us fully understand. And if that's not the case, I'll be surprised with most of this simply because there's so much we don't know. And yet these experiences are unique because they provide an insight, provide a perspective that you would not have been able to get in any other way, in my opinion, at least not in this life. So we'll call that the end of the first episode of Near-Death Experience Podcast. Please contact me with suggestions, ideas, questions, anything you would like to hear more of, less of, let me know. So until next time, thank you so much for listening.